Hey, this is Eugene Rapkin, and you're listening to the Style Zeitgeist Podcast. Hi, everyone. This is Eugene Rapkin. I am back with uh, our friend Philippe Hashemi, who no longer needs introduction, I think, because everyone knows him already. We've recorded so many episodes. Welcome, Philippe. Hi, Eugene. How are you? Good to see you. Good to see you, too. We just spent some time in Antwerp, which was lovely. I know we managed to see quite a bit of each other this year. I hope next year we can see even more of each other. But yeah, Antwerp was nice. We had a good time there. Yeah, we did. So, and during our uh, dinner in Antwerp, which turned into an impromptu after party, after the fashion talks, <laughs> Uh, you had a great idea to talk about Phoebe Philo, and uh, I can't think, you know, of a better person to discuss Phoebe's new line. Uh, you know, it's aesthetic. Oh, Phoebe herself, also her role as a designer, and uh, other things, uh, especially that we just uh, saw. Well. Apparently, everyone but me in fashion saw that there was a second drop on the Phoebe Philo's website a week ago because a week is it's exactly when I landed in Antwerp and I didn't really, I kind of checked out more or less of the fashion world, which I highly recommend to everyone once in a while. <laughs> um, anyway, so I, I want to start actually before we get to the Phoebe Philo line and to what's going on there. I do want to talk about Phoebe Philo, the designer, and her role because I think it's important, uh, especially obviously what she did is Celine was really what made Phoebe Philo into the designer that she is today and the kind of hype that surrounds her i you know, i think it all started there so what's your take on phoebe's uh, tenure at celine well you know before working at celine she was also a designer at chloe so phoebe yeah. has had more than 20 years of experience designing for big brands you know so that's already something that is quite significant. Uh, and also at Celine, she really redefined minimal, I would I almost want to say minimalist opulence because, you know, what she did at Celine was minimalist, but there was always this feeling of luxury as something rich, you know, and something that spoke mm -hmm. to a lot of different types of women also. And uh, I think her voice at that time was very strong and very relevant and she started to gather you know this fan club and this huge community of clients around her yeah yeah i agree i think especially her last several years at celine because i think when she started at celine there was still echoes of chloe you know it was quite a bit more feminine i think at the beginning but it really morphed into something that I would put it somewhere between sort of Jill Sander and Helmut Lang, because obviously there is a debt owed to both, uh, which is totally okay for me. So there was this elegance there, uh, but also an edge. You know, there was this kind of a Helmut edge with Jill Sander's elegance. It was definitely not as restrained and sober as Jill Sander. It was much more playful. But she has taken on that mantle a generation later of um, dressing a certain type of woman, let's say, in my opinion, you know, it's a woman who doesn't really care what men think about her, uh, which I think, in my opinion, it is the most modern way today for a woman to dress and, in and also an intelligent woman right i mean that's yeah, you know yeah. let's mention the i word without any shame here it's also about intelligence and power i think you know a lot of her clothes uh talk to us about power but in a female way and i think this notion of female empowerment is still really important when we look at phoebe philo's work today definitely yeah yeah no i agree uh 
which but here's what i found ironic about that whole thing um when phoebe philo left celine i don't know if you remember there was this like slew of lamentations in the fashion press like oh where will intelligent strong women that phoebe dressed will shop now and i was like wait a minute if they're intelligent and strong, like, won't they figure this out for themselves? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> they don't need fashion to tell them where to go. And so there is still this tension. Like, we keep talking about intelligent, strong, modern women. And yet, as an industry, we still want to dictate to these women what to wear, which is, I find this utterly ironic and uh you know and and also hypocritical yeah it is i mean at the end of the day it's uh you know it's also this idea of gender i mean i think it's interesting when you look at what she does because a lot of it is also borrowed from menswear so is there a specific female point of view or not you know i also find that Mm -hmm. quite quite you know fascinating because if you remember when she was designing uh, Celine there were men wearing it you know like male yeah. celebrities wore it as well so it sort of appealed to a lot of different people um so i don't know if this kind of female gaze is something that uh, particularly applies to her or not not sure mm-hmm. yeah I'm, I'm also not sure Sure. I definitely, what I do definitely see is this lack of, you know, we're going to dress to please men. Uh, And I really love that. Like I said, I think it's the most modern thing today. Um, And we know that I also want to talk about this stereotype that women dress for men. And I don't think it's always the case. I think a lot of times women dress for other women because they're judged by other women probably more harshly than by men. I agree. I agree. Like most men don't really care. Let's face it. Most men are like, oh, you know, your your skirt is shirt and we kind of can, you know, can see like your boobs and great. Women are much more like, oh, like your hem is like one centimeter off. <laughs> you know? uh, oh, well, this is the logo on your bag. Oh, you know. I think maybe one, one biggest difference, I don't know if you would agree, but male designers tend to objectify women more or they tend to, you know, present us a vision of women which sometimes can look a little bit like a caricature. Um, so they, they exaggerate certain things, you know, but I think this kind of object, objectification of women is something that is completely absent from Phoebe Philo's work. I never have the feeling, I always have a feeling of a woman in control. You know, it's a woman in mm-hmm. control. She might want to engage in seduction and she might want to seduce herself of a woman, of a man, of a people, but at the same time, the idea of seduction doesn't mean that you become an object, you become an agent, you know, and that's always the way I feel with Phoebe, that she's an agent and she's never passive as a designer. You know, she's always in control. So that's kind of like what I love about her aura and what comes out of her creativity is this idea of complete control. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree because like the usual path for female seduction seduction is through passivity Mm -hmm. right i mean in our society i'm not saying it's right and and you don't see that here uh at all even when there are elements like uh, a high heel or something corsetting it still doesn't feel like a stereotypically uh disempowering thing you know that's supposed to disable a woman physically and that's what i always found very interesting in her work it's also the visual part and how she Mm. suddenly has a very strong idea of how she wants to portray women you know and um and talking about female sexuality as well how she wants to show that and and also you know the right for a woman to 
to be seductive whenever she wants to, or to be sensual, or to conceal body parts, or to show body parts, you know. And I feel mm -hmm. that in a way, maybe some people labeled her as intellectual or conceptual at Céline, but with Phoebe Philo, I have more of a feeling of a sensuality, of a rawness, of something, a mm -hmm. toughness that maybe we didn't have at Céline before. So that's an interesting evolution as well when it comes to her style and her way to express herself, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I do wonder what the differences are between running a major corporate brand and doing your own thing. And I do think there is still uh, tension with both because from what I understand that at Celine, she actually did have a lot of control, mm -hmm. more than most. Yeah. And maybe it's one of the reasons why she was actually fired uh, because <clears throat> she didn't want to do certain things. You know, she didn't want to do men's work. She doesn't care, um, et cetera, et cetera. And, and also let's not forget that her brand is minority owned by uh, Bernard Arnault's uh, Al Cateron. Uh, which is his family, family office, investment office. Mm -hmm. So there is still that tension. She remains, you know, she retains the majority of the state, yeah. uh, which is smart. Um, but, you know, it's not a complete divorce from corporate fashion. No, and I think it's British pragmatism, right? I mean, it's basically <laughs> having your cake and eating it. You know, you're independent, but mm -hmm. at the same time, you keep one foot in the corporate world. I think that's very smart, yeah. you know, because yeah. if you didn't have that sort of influence or power as a designer, you could not strike that balance. But I think she mm -hmm. did, you know, she's still independent, but in a way, I'm not sure how that 20% is going to play out in the future because people have said, oh, this is LVMH testing something akin to Hermes, you know, in terms of price point and wanting to go in a much more rarefied, you know, expensive type of, of luxury um, fashion. So maybe they're testing it through her, but I don't have a feeling that she's going to be easy to manipulate, you know, not at all. So yeah. I'm curious to see how this evolves in the future. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, what's very different here is that the entire model for the brand, because, you know, she was at Celine, it was mostly monobrand stores or like corners rented at department stores. Um, she was very, you know, obviously, let's not forget uh, LVMH level marketing. You know, advertisement ads in every magazine, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and also, ironically, she was very resistant to e-commerce and the web in general. Mm -hmm. And of course, what we're seeing now is a complete reversal. Uh, it's only sold through her website. Um, it's very opaque, right? No one except a few. Uh, chosen editors got to see the clothes in real life and everything is through e-commerce and so i found it i found it quite funny actually in a way and ironic like to the point where i wrote this funny article you know phoebe philo does not exist um uh, based on um simulacra and simulation from Jean Baudrillard and and you can see the parallels right you, you uh, we do know that there is a designer named Phoebe Philo we do know she lives in London and that's about all we know <laughs> we don't we don't know who designed the clothes we don't know what the clothes look like in real life we don't know how they feel we don't know how they fit uh, there are no runway shows to you know the only access to the universe and that not just merchandise you get through just a bunch of photos mm -hmm. uh, on her website yeah. even her instagram is empty even though it already has 400,000 followers this is actually uh, what i find the most fascinating with the way 
she did this, you know, because it almost looks like some stupid startup from a graduate designer, you know, like getting getting <laughs> some friends to do a photo shoot together, like launching an average website with, you know, things changing colors where they're sold out. But when you think about it, it's quite revolutionary to avoid fashion shows, to avoid PR, to avoid showrooms, to avoid agents, to basically say, I do not need any of those middlemen. Mm -hmm. I can talk directly to my audience. You know, I have what it takes to sell that kind of product. And that for me was really extraordinary. The response she mm -hmm. had with the first drop where things were selling out within minutes was unbelievable, you know, yeah. and in a way it sort of made me very, very hopeful that the designer mystique is still very much alive, you know, that we worship and we love certain designers. And I kept thinking, oh, if if Helmut Lang did a little website tomorrow, you know, would it sell out mm -hmm. as well? So it was like yeah. this idea of all these people that we want to see in fashion, we want to see them coming back. Maybe there's a bit of nostalgia behind it too, but in a way, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I just love how, low profile the whole thing is it's it's just a little website with some pictures and the product and yeah. that's it and another thing that i loved was the fact that it was very limited in terms of production so it addresses mm -hmm. key issues like sustainability that everybody keeps going on and on you know about mm -hmm. by mm -hmm. saying that there's no luxury without scarcity you know you cannot have luxury if it's everywhere which is basically what all the other groups are doing they're putting their products yeah everywhere across the world and calling it luxury no luxury has to do with something that is rare and special and mm -hmm. limited and what you're talking about referring to Baudrillard I also understand because it's about the mystery you know how far mm -hmm. can you use your own mystery to sell things and I think that's yeah. the Phoebe Philo paradigm you know she has mystery she has mystique she has recognition how far can she go with that Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I actually have a bit of a different take on the whole like limited sustainability thing. I I I have maybe a more cynical view than you do on it. I do think so we don't know how much was produced, right? So and I have a feeling it was very limited in order for it to sell out and whip up uh, the hysteria around it. And we'll get to prices also, obviously, we need to discuss. But the sort of seeing, yeah, in a way, she took the supreme model, right? You know, art artificially limiting supply. So it's a lot sells out even at very high prices. And, you know, the second drop did nowhere nearly as well as the first because Obviously, the first is the first, and the kind of—I mean—the kind of hysteria, hysteria the first drop engendered was kind of amusing to see, and it was also you know, the hysteria. reactions and also the criticism. You know, people who were saying, yeah, 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 "How yeah. can how dare she charge prices like that as if nobody had done it before?" You know that that was also ridiculous. Sure, and all these talks about diversity. Yeah, why is she not showing different body types? I mean, she can do whatever the hell she wants. It's her brand, you know. Yeah, it's her own website. She doesn't have to answer to anybody. And at the end of the yeah. day, that's also ridiculous. How people want to own that for themselves, you know, and how they think mm -hmm. they should, should see themselves in Phoebe Philo's work. Well, sorry, Phoebe yeah. Philo knows exactly what she wants to do, and that's fair, you know, and there's no need yeah. to justify that either. So in a way, what I like about it, for me, it's a statement of, of independence, and it's smart, you know, it's very clever, mm -hmm. it's very intelligent, mm -hmm. but I think it's also maybe a new way to look at how to sell designer fashion or luxury or what all these words actually mean. What is it that it means? Yeah. You know, and I think there's also a crisis in fashion right now with all these terms, you know? Yeah, no, I, here I agree with you. Um, I think, and we talked about it a little bit, but I do think behind this, the, desire to be quote-unquote represented which is really dictating to creatives what they should be doing 
which to me is a big no-no because creative freedom is creative freedom. It's tokenism, know, basically. It's forcing it onto people. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It's it, it's uh, and it's had a very bad effect on fashion. And I don't know. I mean, I looked at those images. They're pretty diverse in in who she's representing. But whatever, I think behind, you know, I think behind this is this culture of narcissism and entitlement in like, I'm going to dictate to others what I want to see, uh, which, like I said, yeah, it's, it, it's really entitlement. Instead of building alternative networks. Um, it's also about the cult of the ordinary, isn't it? Because look at it. Look at Kendall Jenner. Look at the Kardashians. Look at all these people with yeah. all these so-called icons today. What is it that they're good at, you know, besides being famous? What is it that they have achieved? And I think that's what our society rewards. You know, it's this kind of mm -hmm. shallowness, this emptiness of fame, you know. And oh, in a sure. way, you know, with Phoebe what you always have the feeling you're getting and you could argue, okay, are you getting it or not? It's substance, you know, it's like the yes. clothing is substantial. The quality is there. The details are beautiful. The fabrication is polished, you know, all that stuff. And mm -hmm. I think on top of that, if you, if you add her mystique, which is something very hard to measure because what is mystique, you know, what is, how do yeah. you, how do you even quantify that? Then it turns into mm -hmm. a commercial, a commercial success, but it's a, it's a very bizarre thing in a way. Isn't it all about just desire, you know, and just wanting to be part of her world and what she projects, you know, in her images and also as an individual. Yeah, and you can be that without buying it. Yeah, you can. You like, can also. You, yeah, you, you can get inspired by it. Yeah, like, completely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I love Francis Bacon, and I don't need the Francis Bacon tripstick on my wall in order to. to yeah, love it's inspirational. It, you know? Completely. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't. I don't demand artists like you know what. Can you paint me painting for a hundred bucks? How come I can't afford your art? What is this? <laughs> I want to be represented. Um, but I tell you what Kardashians are good at and Kendall Jenner is they're good at being ordinary. Mm. Uh, they're, they're good at relatable. being mass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're good at being relatable. Yeah. And relatable is the number one quality that people seek today in stars. Mm. It's relatability. It's nothing else. This is why, you know, influencers, TikTokers, all that trash. This is why it's out there because they're relatable. Uh, but yeah, I mean, people don't want substance. Are you kidding? When when in the history of humankind did the masses want substance? Never. Like the, the, the entire point of mass culture is lack of substance. But, but the thing is, we live in a time when the masses feel that, uh, feeling empowered on unprecedented level because you know because of social media etc cetera, etc cetera, they now have the means of production and dissemination yeah. of that culture and that's why uh opportunists like kardashians and generous take advantage of but, that it, but in a way it also makes it fascinating because if you think about it and exciting because then it becomes a huge field where you have contention and power and resistance and all these things going on, you know, and people, it's much easier for people now to maybe broadcast themselves or to spread their mm -hmm. voice, you know, or to find some echo. And I think that goes along with critical thinking as well, you know, because then we're going back to the idea of critique. Um, you can also use it that way. I don't think the majority use it like that, but I think some of us can use it like that. And in yeah. a way, you know, what a lot of people were denouncing when it comes to Phoebe Philo is that sort of, you know, elitism thing, you know, mm -hmm. this kind of view of fashion as something, yeah. you know, expensive, something that's not easily unattain attainable, yeah. something that is limited, something that has a certain price tag, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah. in a way, you know, what, what is wrong with that? I mean, why should designer fashion be uh, for everybody? You know, that's question number one. 
Yeah. And then do why can't fashion be frivolous and why can't fashion be mm-hmm. a, just a way to enjoy, you know, a, a source of pleasure for people, you know, yeah. that's another thing as well. Yeah. And I think going back to what you were saying earlier, I have the feeling that with Phoebe, it's women almost like pleasuring themselves. And what I mean by that, you know, is that mm-hmm. they are enjoying the fruit of their labor and they are consuming these clothes because they feel happy and they feel, you know, satisfied with that. And I think it's yeah. it's interesting also the the relationship they have with her. You know, how yeah. and kind of menacing, no? Don't you think it's kind of threatening? Not menacing, don't you think it's kind of threatening? Certainly threatening to the males, to your average straight male, but I think also threatening to other women because, you know, how many women, you know, who are like, oh, like, yeah, you know, something bad happened to those girls, but they deserve it. Like this wouldn't happen to my daughter because she's from a good family. You know, there's this constant judgment passed on other women by women. And I, and I think that's also part of it. Um, but to rewind a little bit, I am all for elitism when it's based on meritocracy, 100%. And I want to go back just for a minute because I know people are like throwing rotten tomatoes at me right now in their heads uh, because I said like mass culture sucks. Um, but here's what I mean. Um, it, it, we used to live in a culture, and maybe I'm romanticizing or not, where it was sort of like about betterment, education, and self-improvement via sort of education, just elevating yourself on all fronts, you know, uh, getting an education, um, getting exposure to culture, et cetera, et cetera. What? Wow. Okay. Apparently, Phoebe Filo just made a suit for Edward Eninfo. Breaking news. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Um, there we go. So, um, uh, where was I? So, you, yeah, the so, idea of betterment yeah, and, and, of society. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like what modernism was all about, right? We, we're going, it's about elevation, mm-hmm. but about giving everyone access to elevation. It is just, oh, if you want it, you can, you can get there and it will be much, and your life will be enriched. You will be like rewarded. Um, in cultural terms, where I think today is the opposite. It's like bringing everything down to mass level. Yeah, and it's also so, the more stupid you are, the better it is, because having knowledge makes you a snob, makes you an elitist, yeah, you know? Exactly. Or, and exactly. being critical also makes you a hater, which is like the most stupid yeah. shortcut at the end of the day. But it's, that's, you know, and it's very dangerous. It's quite fascistic, actually, because it erases it the very possibility of critique. Yeah. If you turn around to someone, point their fingers at them and go, you're a hater, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's sort of like trying to disable the very possibility that, yeah, yeah, that it's, all of exactly. us have to be to be critical. And you know, if you are yeah. critical towards a designer, it's because you want them to improve. That's what we were saying beforehand. You mm-hmm. want this to get better. That's why, you know, you you use your critique in a way to improve on things. And I think people always forget that. And it's it's so depressing, you know, that yeah. we live in this in this world where, as you said, it's just echoes and echoes of how wonderful everything is, no matter how stupid it is. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's mm-hmm. like there's no space for positive critique anymore you know Mm. yeah Uh, but back to phoebe i do think you have a point there is that because she offers sort of substance uh that maybe that was sort of part of a negative reaction that was masked masked by all this conversation about prices i don't know i didn't really follow just because i don't care well a lot Uh, of it came from other women actually, you know, from YouTube, Instagram, journalists, etc., saying how expensive it was. And, you know, I thought about this quote from Madeleine Albright, oh, there has to be a special place in hell 
for women who are not helping other women, you know? And I thought, yeah, this is exactly what it is. It, I think it's a bit of envy, you know? It's a bit of, don't you think? It's a bit of jealousy. I mean, at the end of the day, look what she's doing. She's competing with the mm. big guys, you know? She's doing it. Like, she's going for it. And she's selling her stuff, you know? I mean, it's quite like... For me, it's it's a bit of a slap in the face, you know, and she's doing it mm -hmm. without using like half of the marketing that other brands use. It at the end of the day, it's sort of word of mouth, you know, and people were like, "Oh, she's coming back, she's coming back," and there was that that yeah. that whole expectation. But you know, I think other women should praise her and should you know should praise Phoebe for doing this because I think it's amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, and not yeah. many female designers with their own independent brands can get away with selling clothes at that price point, and she can. So what does that say about her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, how significant she yeah. is in fashion, you know, and maybe also yeah. culturally as a figure, how significant is she for women, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I do believe that when that criticism comes from other women, there must be a little bit of envy there, you know, and a little mm. bit of, yeah. A little bit of that going on well let's talk about prices i guess because we already touched them on and so i looked at the prices and they kind of look to me in line with like the row and joel sander and like all the brands that she's competing with look prices are insane everywhere like we're not sure. Like, no, no one here is shopping full price. It's it's idiotic, you know. It's actually, um, of course. So, why do you think people latched onto that? Why people are not going around making TikTok videos about like Prada prices, Bottega prices, the row prices? Why do you think it was this that sort of whipped up? Well, you know, think theory. about Jill Sander in the 90s and how long it took Jill to be able to impose minimalistic fashion at a very high high price. You know, or other female designers like Donna Karan, for example, who was also a minimalist. You know, it was a, it took a long time for them to convince their audience that it was okay to pay X, you know, a thousand dollars for a cashmere sweater, for example, or five hundred dollars mm -hmm. for a t-shirt or whatever. But I think Jill is really interesting that way because I think Jill also has this aura as a designer and she has this respect and she has this love coming from the industry. So whatever she creates, you know, whether it, it, it be Uniqlo or any collaboration that she does, people also run and, and they buy it, you know, they want to yeah. have it. So I think there's nothing new about it. I mean, she did it. Jill did it before. You know, she did very similar mm -hmm. things at a similar price point, which is why the whole discussion around Phoebe's prices is kind of ridiculous. Like, you know, people forgot. And they also forgot mm -hmm. about Coco Chanel, who's also been, who was also charging yeah, yeah. a lot of money for her hats and whatever she created. So what is the issue here? Is it because this is a woman who's running an independent brand? You know, what's the problem? It's like... That's yeah. also something that I find uh, that seemed to be more judgment with Phoebe's prices. Mm -hmm. And I wondered if it was because she was independent or because she was a female designer. I don't know, but it's an interesting question. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. My wife has the same theory. She said, you know, because we were talking about the row and she said, yeah, it, it, it's taken the row years to get here. Yeah. And Phoebe Philo, like, these are the prices off the bat. So maybe that's why people are in revolt. But I find it bizarre because, well, she has, I mean, who has a better resume? You know what I mean? On some level, she's already there. Yeah, but it's, I don't know if people would react the same way if it was Helmut Lang, you know, or if it mm. was Raf leaving Prada and launching his website, I don't think people would say, oh my God, this is so expensive, you know, or it's not diverse enough, or I don't see fat men on Raf's website. You know, it's like, <laughs> come on, you know, what? what is this? I mean, and I think it's the problem, I think, you know, being a female designer today. I mean, we should actually mm. talk to more female designers and find out if they encounter any of these issues or if they need any kind of that judgment. But to me, it mm -hmm. smells a little bit like sexism as well, you know, in a, in a, in a strange mm. way, because 
we would never question prices coming from famous male designers. You know, why would we, you know? Interesting. Yeah. I haven't thought about it this way, actually. I'll, I'll have to give it uh, more of a thing. Uh, my wife said something else interesting. She said, uh, and I think it's absolutely true. She's like, well, the people who are complaining are not the target market. She was like, they're I didn't see not. anyone who bought no, it <laughs> complaining about the prices. No. Which is kind of, we, and, and that also makes sense. Uh, because I do know a few women in my life who bought it and they did not... Um, yeah, they just bought it, and they will, and they fit the Phoebe Filer profile Ooh. definitely. Yeah. You know, like uh, like intelligent, a bit of a quirk and personal style. Definitely not dressing uh, for men, mm -hmm. etc. Yeah. Um, I am also curious about the level of quality, and it ju I just put out a call on Instagram, and I'm gonna do like an informal survey see how many people get back to it who bought mm -hmm. it and who i wonder what they thought about quality yeah. because this is again like you know going back to simulacra and simulation i have no fucking idea what i'm paying for you know no, no, it's or, true. Because, like, it's true because i looked okay you 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 see composition it you hope it will be i don't even know where it's made i don't think it's said on like each item where it's made what country um i guess not like most people care but if you look at some of some of the pieces she made for celine i mean i i do happen to own some of them like vintage pieces and mm -hmm. the quality is really high i mean the the fabrics yeah. first of all are some of the best you know and i think she would really have a problem sending out something that to her feels mediocre i think she could never do that you know, there's a certain demand that comes, I think there's a demand that comes from her, from herself, you know, and mm -hmm. I, I don't know, I think that's the way she is, but, um, and I, and I, you know, and I'm not romanticizing it. I think she wants to deliver quality and quality was always something she talked about. And even at Celine, she talked about timelessness and she said, well, I hope people can wear my pieces in you know, 15, 15 years time, 10 years time. And they do, they still do, you know, and the resale yeah, market yeah. for Celine is, is vibrant. I mean, it's growing, you know, so yeah. um, I wonder how Eddie Sliman feels about that because who's going, who's going <laughs> to remember what Eddie Sliman put on the runway? I mean, that's another question. Um, Nobody, no one, no, no one except uh, LVMH's accountants. Because I think <laughs> Celine is actually doing well, which I cannot understand. I think it's bags. I think it's me. the bags now. They've taken off yeah, and they yeah. invested a lot and they paid like, you know, influencers and ambassadors in Asia and now it's finally taking off. But it's all yeah. bags. Okay. But going back That's but going back be. to what you were saying about the customer, if you think about the Olsen twins, they grew up with luxury. I mean, they grew up with the best. Mm -hmm. So when they launched their line, they know exactly who they are talking to. They are talking to people like themselves, yeah. you know, who have taste, yeah. who have money, who, who buy vintage, who buy new things, who can mix them up. And that's it. Maybe, you know, they are related to the end client because they are the client. So it's just mm. as simple, yeah, yeah. you know. Sure. And again, it goes back to this idea of women pleasing themselves. You know, there, there's no need yeah. for somebody else to come and validate what you're doing, you can mm -hmm. do it yourself. And that, to me, is empowerment. You know, that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I agree. I agree. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about the Phoebe Philo aesthetic, because we've been sort of scursing that. And I think, yeah, on some level, it's the juice of the thing, right? Because yeah. neither you or I don't really, we don't really care about prices because it doesn't matter to us. This is all just uh, great to look at and analyze and think about. I think for me, there has been a very interesting evolution. I don't know if you felt it to looking at the collection towards something a bit more raw, a sensuality, something tougher, you know, like I was, mm -hmm. what struck me was that there were a lot of lever pieces, a lot of lever pieces, like yeah. dresses, pants, jackets, trousers, things like that. And 
there was a toughness there. Actually, some of it even reminded me of Claude Montana, you know, like this kind of mm. very self-assured, butch, powerful woman. So I kind of felt mm. that. And then there was a fluidity and elegance and effortlessness that we've come to associate with Phoebe and also a lot of textures because I think she loves fur. She loves texture. She loves things that are fluffy, that have this kind of animal mm -hmm. quality. And a lot of it is there also in the collection, you know, from feathers yeah, to yeah. pony skin to different fabrications to shirling. So there's a real animal sensuality and at the same time something much more cerebral, much more menswear oriented, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think that yeah. duality speaks to a lot of women because women sometimes want to dress like men and sometimes they want to be ultra feminine and they want to have the choice. And I think she mm -hmm. understands that, you know, she gets that. Yeah. 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 No, I agree. And I agree that there's definitely more edge here than it was with Celine. It's definitely harder on some level. Yeah. Um and sexier. Definitely. You know? I mean th those pants with like zippers like all the way up your ass. Those are sexy. Yeah. Uh you know yeah and they and they the kind of they, hot pants. they're kind of playful, you know, because at the end of the day you can decide to be demure or you can be mm -hmm. much more provocative, but it's up to you to decide. You know, and again, yeah. we're going back to this idea of, you know, I'm the one who pulls the zipper kind of thing. You know, mm -hmm, it's, it's, it's mm -hmm. this kind of, I don't know, I thought also the imagery was, some of it reminded me of Helmut Newton, but done mm -hmm. in a female manner, which is quite, you know, quite a, yeah, a funny yeah. thing to say. But I felt that she was appropriating a lot of that sexy language, but making mm -hmm. it her own, you know. And uh, again, it's something that is very hard to define. But you can tell that it's not about objectifying bodies. You know, you look at the images and these women, they, they look like protagonists. You know, that's what they look like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're yeah, in charge, yeah. you know, yeah. definitely in charge. No, I yeah. agree. Yeah. Yeah, there's almost like this, there is a, like a lesbian chic there. there there's know? definitely that too. Yeah. In a way, what you're yeah. saying is that it is threatening to men, I guess, in a way, because... Mm -hmm. 100%. It's sort of presenting a vision of the world without men, you know, like where yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, where yeah. they're not necessary, they're not needed, you know. So in a way, yeah. that that's kind of challenging too, I guess. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, or at least because I wouldn't want to be in, I wouldn't want to live in such a world. But at least where you look at each other as individuals mm -hmm. and not as a members of the other sex. Yeah. <clears throat> that's my ideal world yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah no I agree and you know what I thought was interesting as well is that at Celine there was a specific attitude that came with the runway shows the advertising you know it was a certain type of woman and here there's also an attitude and maybe it's a bit more mm -hmm. in your face or it's a bit more confrontational sometimes or not mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. I think fashion should always have an attitude, you know, and I think the best designers oh, yeah. have that, you know, like the Ricks and Martin and, and Helmuts mm -hmm. of this world, you know, there's a way to engage with mm -hmm. society. There's a way to behave. There's a confidence level. And, yeah. uh, and I think the collection embodies that. And that was, yeah, yeah. I, I found it, to be honest, I found it one of the most exciting events occurring in fashion this year. You know, because yeah, oh, oh, by a mile, <laughs> it was such a mediocre year in terms of creativity, yeah, and there was hardly any innovation going on. So I found that exciting, you know. Yeah, yeah, but I still want to see it all in real life, and I can't, and it's kind of pissing me <laughs> off. <laughs> it's playing, it's playing because with I your want frustration. To... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I want to see how well it's made. You know, I want to see how it fits, except like on the models. Yeah. I just feel like, how does this translate into real life? And who bought what? Like, I want to know, like, yeah, if you bought a bag, okay, fine. That's not really, you know, that's, that's, it's part of the look, but it's not the look. Yeah. And I'm just curious, like, who bought the leather trench, like the leather blues mm -hmm. on? 
who bought the $27,000 fur coat that's advertised as shearling. Yeah, no. <laughs> like, come on, that's a fur but coat. But you know what I'm thinking in a way? It's like so many people, including myself, like used the images, reposted them. And in a way, you know, we are Phoebe's magazines. We are Phoebe's advertisers. I mean, we we talk mm-hmm. about her. We discuss her. You know, we we make her relevant. So it's just very, very smart. Because she no yeah. longer needs to obey some industry standards. You know, we mm-hmm. are taking it for ourselves. We're appropriating her story and we're turning it into whatever makes sense for us. But I think she's mm-hmm. also making us protagonists. You know, we are free to to look at it, to this you know, she's not she's not censoring what people say about it there's no you know she can it's all circulating around so there's a lot of debate and discussion around that and maybe that's what designers should do today except that oh yeah she provokes i think intelligent conversation this is not them now this is not provocation for the sake Mm -hmm. of it you know it's like a different kind of aspect but um yeah, it, in a way, you know, we are her magazines. I mean, <laughs> it's yeah. really... No, it, it, it is true. Yeah. It's true. And, uh, like, as... Uh, and I appreciate it. Even, you know, being journalists, obviously our job is, like, to ask questions, to ask designers questions. Um, but I kind of appreciate her also unwillingness to to speak and okay she's not completely anonymous like margella but uh, pretty much so yeah yeah but pretty much so yeah there's there's like here's the work and just like other designers are anonymous but what they produce is not that great and we see a lot of that in fashion today as well second assistants whatever coming in designing collections that are bland nothing to say you know and we know why they are silent but she's silent Mm -hmm. for different reasons you know, it's and, yeah. and maybe who knows, maybe she's like, you know, the equivalent of a, of a greater garbo of fashion. Maybe she's like the old fashioned model, you know, the old movie star. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what she is. I don't know. But to me, I wanted to ask you what you what you thought about the response to our stuff and also this idea of a, of a designer's mystique. Do you think it's still alive? Do you think it still exists or do you think it's basically just hype and there's nothing else behind it? You know? Yeah. Uh, I think it still exists. I think it's too early to say because I want to see where this is in three years. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> because, of course, people will be hyped for her comeback uh, because it's fresh, it's new, it's 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 a new beginning. Uh, her memory of how she changed fashion for a certain stratum. Let's not forget for a certain stratum sure i mean she sold millions of bags for people by who were bought by people who'd never wear the clothes because her position is too challenging they just wanted mm. to have a saline bag which also on some level could give them an aura of i am fashionable i have substance when in reality it's just a bag but whatever fine yeah. uh i think it's too early to judge uh, I think we will know in a year or two where people whether she will be able to maintain the kind of attention that's on her for years. I, Albert Camus said something very great on as one of the, my favorite phrases. Um, I think it was in the fall. He said, "It's very easy to start and it's very easy to finish. <laughs> it's to." Con- it's to continue. Everything Con- that's in between. That is the hardest of thing. Of course. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll see. I mean, so far, for sure, because the level, you know, the uh, the amount of articles that have come out, even before the launch, you know, so obviously there is interest uh, in that. And even 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 if those articles were written by editors for other editors, you can see that sort of the fashion industry was absolutely waiting with the bated breath. And there is something to be said still, we may not be sort of the highest uh, opinion of the industry, but I still think there is something to be said. How many people working in fashion are Phoebe Philos fans? Yeah, that's true. 
that's true that is significant yeah yeah Yeah. Uh, because what i saw on my instagram who bought it's fashion professionals who just happened to be you know well off like making good money and Mm. i spoke with one stylist in paris and she was like yeah i you know first phoebe file drop is going to be my reward for all the work i've done this year but you see that's what i said earlier it's about it's like you know a guy buying his first mercedes or lamborghini you know it's like Mm -hmm. i i it's it's almost like uh, yeah i like this idea of reward of pleasure of celebration Mm -hmm. of saying i deserve this you know like i work hard Mm -hmm. and this is it's not trophy clothing you know but at the same time Mm It does talk about success and it does talk about being on a certain level, you know, and it's a reward Mm -hmm. to yourself. It's a reward to yourself because you reward yourself with beautiful, timeless quality design. And I think there's Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with that, you know, and and that's also quite nice in a way. But what I find more fascinating is the level of worship, perhaps, or the level of love or admiration Mm -hmm. for her because there are a few designers like this in the world you know and they managed to sustain that even raf i mean raf failed quite a few times being at sun houses Mm -hmm. he still has that adoration coming from a lot of people so that is always something that i find bizarre because you cannot quantify it and you don't know where it comes from but it's this sort of you know yeah this sort of kind of worship uh, for designers mm-hmm. is bizarre you know yeah 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 i would also add is that um look we all like when we are complimented on something to where you know we all are in sort of in in certain we run in certain circles and i think it matters who compliments you and i do think it's not like there is no none of that in people who bought Phoebe Philo. It's it's just, they don't, it's a little bit like Bo Brummel attitude, you know, the first dance you like, if John Bull uh, looks at you in the street, that means you're doing it mm. wrong. Yeah. So I would say, yeah, you. it's still seeking validation, but not from the masses. It's mm-hmm. This is really, if you know, you know, yeah. kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, but it's. I think it's the. You could say the same about Rick, or you could say the same about anybody mm-hmm. who has a very strong signature style. Because it's not about logos, it's not about advertising. It's about recognizing the design. So you know, people can recognize Rick the way they can recognize Phoebe, because there's an aesthetic yeah. and there's a strong signature. And I, I think she did a good job at staying faithful to herself, but at the same time evolving it. And I think, as you mm-hmm. said earlier, the sexiness that she brings into Phoebe Philo is refreshing mm-hmm. and the way she does it is fun and mm-hmm. playful and seductive. So, you know, I, I'm curious as well to see how it's going to evolve and what she mm-hmm. can do with it and how far she's going to take it. You know, will, will there be a Phoebe Philo store? Is she going to, you yeah. know, flirt with the physical as well? Or is she going to keep it strictly online? I don't know. You know, we <laughs> yeah. have to see what, how she... How she plans yeah. things, but it's something you know. It teases you a little bit. It plays with you. I think it's that yeah. notion is also something nice to have in in fashion. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Phoebe, a store, please, or oh, at least invite me to your showroom. I just want to see this. <laughs> just want to touch life. the fabric. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, no. well, isn't it part of how we judge? No, right? definitely. Because you can't. No, you... and I have to say, okay, I, I haven't, you know, I haven't seen anything either, but zooming on the pictures and looking at the materials i would definitely love to you know to see them in the flesh and and get to experience them as objects because they look they look beautiful you know so yeah yeah it's yeah, uh, i agree uh well let's get to the fun part then uh any specific pieces that stood out to you that you would even want to buy for yourself. I love this sort of military trench coat. It's like this khaki sort of wool mix, I think, uh, mm-hmm. trench, which was very oversized, like gorgeous, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, I think that the the zipper trousers are really fun as well. I think they're fun, you know. Yeah. And yeah. some of the bags, they're also quite very, very minimalistic. That's the thing as well. I felt that actually... 
interestingly enough, the focus in that collection is on the clothing. It's not on the bags yes. at all. So, mm -hmm. and, and for, for me, sure. anything that is sort of fuzzy and tactile and furry, I really like as well. So I like the pony skin mm -hmm. shoes. I like that shirling coat, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I could imagine yeah. a lot of men also wear it. So that's, that's oh, kind yeah, of yeah. bizarre because I'm thinking, okay, is she going to expand on this? And then I'm curious to see how many male clients she has, you know, it would be interesting to mm -hmm. know. Uh, if any guys yeah. buy it, you know, the bags and everything else and the knitwear and everything else. So um, yeah, what about, what probably. about you? What did you like? Uh, I love the black leather trench. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, from, I think it's still coming soon or something. I thought that was really sick. Um, <clears throat> uh, what else? I mean, the, the, yeah, the pants with the back zippers are obviously... And that black leather and dress really also hope. with the pockets on the chest that's super fitted. Yeah, that was That's cool. also strong. And it's strong design, you yeah. know, it's quite uncompromising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's not doing things in half. It's quite like, you know, in your face, some of it. It's quite, yeah. Yeah. And even, like, I love something as simple as this, like, shearling scarf. Mm -hmm. oh, like, I'd wear yeah. that. And have the sh have the shearling pet my <laughs> It's very uh, it's very Hermes by Margiela, I think. Those mm -hmm. pieces, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. It's it's taking that tactility and putting it and saying like it's it's not that much, but you need to think about it. And that is at the end of the day, that's what Phoebe Philo brings, yeah. right? You think about those clothes which is at the end of the day what a creator should be doing. You know, if there is nothing to think, then forget it. Then you're just making merch. Yeah. I think it's interesting when you talk about it like that because for me, there's comfort there and there's also structure. You know, there's a, there's a sense of discipline, but there's also a sense of softness or a sensuality or mm -hmm. something tactile. Yeah. And I think that balance is, is quite nice, you know, and that makes it yeah. attractive. For many different people i mean she obviously knows yeah. what people want you know she has an idea of what yeah. people desire yeah yeah we'll see i also love that tasseled bomber mm -hmm. the leather one all the leather That's... pieces are quite spectacular yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 super sick um no there's a lot and again like yeah this i mean she owns and let's and also oh let's talk about uh, all those fucking ridiculous accusations of plagiarism by all the people who don't know anything that happened like more than five minutes ago. <laughs> I'm like, hello, ladies. Like, who do you think started all this? Like the Bottegas, the Peter Doe's of the world. All like, like, who do you, you know, like, <laughs> that's One question, Eugene. Do you think that by doing this, she's reclaiming her own territory? Because, you know, she has been copied by a lot of people. And I, I, and I had mm -hmm. a feeling maybe she's trying to say, hey, you know, this is the real stuff. Look, you know, it comes. I had a bit this feeling. I don't know. Honestly, I wish she wasn't. Like, I, I wish that I would, like, want this design to stand on its mm -hmm. own. But on that note, uh, the, you know, the, the Jodhpur, um boot yeah. which is the sort of uh healed um chelsea mm -hmm, boot mm -hmm. with the with the heel yeah. with two um like with two pulls mm -hmm. on the front and in the back i call them the fuck you daniel lee boots <laughs> <laughs> because that is like that is pretty close to what he did to what, you know because i think that's kind of a Batega signature yeah. so maybe yeah maybe there is a little bit uh of, of that but i do hope that she is confident enough to say i don't need to do this everybody knows well obviously everybody not everybody knows obviously yeah, yeah, yeah. but i think people who really know fashion history mm -hmm. and to me that was the most ridiculous thing about the initial feedback it wasn't about the prices it was it was these claims like oh you know She's copying Bottega. I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. Do you even know what happened more than yeah, five I mean, minutes ago? Ridiculous. This isn't that long. This isn't that long. This is what? Five, ten years. Like, how can you not know this? And what is crazy is that they don't even research designers 
to find out that some of them and most of them worked with Phoebe. I mean, that's the other thing that's really, really scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They should know about that, but it's, yeah, it's really, you know, I think at the end of the day, um, I don't think she cares about all that stuff, but she might have a little bit of an ego, you know, and just think, okay, like I'm going to oh, show yeah. them, I'm going <laughs> to show them what I can do, you know? And, and it's, again, it's funny to think that all these ex Phoebe Philo, uh, graduates, so to speak, you know, are also male designers. Uh, mm -hmm. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, it'd be interesting to know how she how she feels about that, you know, and if she thinks of them as mm. copycats or little children, you know, I don't know. It's uh, kind yeah. of a... well, we'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe she listened to <laughs> us. Who knows? Let's see. <laughs> yeah, we don't know. Uh, uh, Phoebe, we're available for exactly, off the record lunch. Exactly. We'll, we'll come Welcome to, London. to London for you. I know. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. Well, this was a fantastic hour. Do you have anything else? Uh, or should, no, should I just, we, I just hope that, you know, she will, whatever she does, she will keep her integrity intact. And I hope that she manages to make it evolve and grow and keep it exciting. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm also very curious to see if it translates into brick and mortar, you know, because I think now mm -hmm. a lot of people are going back to physical shopping and they want that yeah, level yeah. of service. So I don't think she's going to be able to be online forever. At some point, there needs to be some mm -hmm. sort of materialization of what she does. So I'm curious to see what's going to happen next year, but so far, so good. You know? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, I am. Yeah, also wishing for a store or, again, any physical just to see. Because we're also product people, right? We want to, at the end of the day, like I said, it's hard to judge until you see the physical thing. This is what you and I do in Paris, right? Like, if we like a show, we will go to a showroom yeah. because we actually want to see all this stuff. Yes. So, I'm also wishing for that. Um Probably wishing for a sample sale down the road. <laughs> yes. The leftovers. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, and and I am curious if this if this breaking news Edward Anifel suit, if it was a one off or Yeah, and also what because she was very resistant to not what's gonna happen on the resale market. I'm also curious about that because I don't know, I haven't yeah. seen anyone I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but did I see people reselling it straight away? You know, like they would sell some H&M, Shitty, whatever, collaborations. Yeah. I haven't really seen that. So I have the feeling that people bought it and they were actually happy with it, you know, and they are yeah. not trying to to get rid of it straight away. So there's something about this, which is quite, I don't know, they, they really value it, you know. So it's... Um, mm -hmm. Today... Yeah. In, no, yeah, I hope it stays yeah, that way. It has to stay that way, yeah. And I think... It must be difficult for her because, you know, you you don't want to compromise too much. But at the same time, there are realities yeah. in the industry. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. For sure. But also, you know, I want to be honest because uh, we've kind of been, we've mostly been positive on this and not not really critical. But I do want to see like how much they produced in reality yeah. because <laughs> I love that they straight up, and I don't know why no one's talking about it, but she straight up said it on the website. Like, we're producing in qualities that are less than we could, like, on purpose. And yeah, like, they said sustainability. You know what? I don't entirely believe it. But I do believe, obviously, this idea of scarcity mm -hmm. is is very important to luxury, yeah. like we talked about. Yeah. So I wonder if they're taking this like supreme model. We're going to produce so little that we let everything sell out because at the end of the day, especially with uh, El Cateron investment, this is here for the long yeah. haul. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, yeah, I say we reconvene uh, in like a year or two and take stock. Maybe earlier. God knows what can happen, you know. Maybe yeah, earlier. Yeah, we'll yeah, see. But yeah. it's exciting. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Cool. And yes, I do agree that it's exciting and it has given us something to think about. And that's why I also think why there was so much coverage, because I think we, and by we, I mean fashion editors, we're so starved for substance Definitely. this day and age. So 
pardon us if we've overreacted as an industry. We'll just take it. <laughs> but we want you any, to know our predicament. Any piece of substance pie you can give us, we'll take it happily. Yeah, uh, 100%. Please. Like in the age of this like fake Demna edge, all this ironic bullshit. Like, but you know, it's funny because just uh, a share. little kind of uh, a little kind of side note here, but nobody seems to be talking about that LA show very much. You know, it's like it doesn't seem to have such a huge impact so i'm wondering if now there's like this major demna fatigue now taking place you know i hope fatigue is the word i i and i do think we are kind of living in this post irony or entering i hope we're entering post irony age i truly truly mm. do and maybe that's a sign because those gestures of so empty, empty. Like, there was yeah. one commentator wrote oh you know this was like this send up commentary on like la stereotypes of those like sporty casual celebrity health obsessed and i was like who do you think's been making the uniforms for the past eight years mm. Here. yeah and again it's like going back to celebrity which he was dissing a year ago i don't want you know I, Kim was back. I'm not interested in <laughs> fame. I'm not interested in celebrity. And Cardi B is on the runway in a fake fur coat, you know, yeah. which pollutes the planet even more. I mean, I'm just thinking, yeah. like, what is that? It's just completely hypocritical, you know. But I think people hopefully start seeing through that shit now. I mean, you know, it's starting to. Uh, yeah. yeah, I hope so too. Anyway, uh, sorry all, uh, but we are gonna keep this bit and. <laughs> yeah sorry phoebe we're keeping that um, in <laughs> sorry yeah yeah no no no. it's uh no th this has been great and i agree with you this this may have been one of the best things that happened this year in fashion because there were not that many collections that were no. exciting there were some but not enough yeah. no uh i i actually another wish i would want to see a show because i'm curious how it all moves mm -hmm. i'm curious like what music would she pick? Yeah. like you know how would she add to the universe but hey okay it's just my let's, wish let's let's not be too greedy let's just start with the clothes i know, I know. and then we'll see <laughs> if know. we get more given to us <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 for sure all right cool. well thank well, you thank Philippe, you so much, as always it was a pleasure and a stimulating conversation yes. and, and happy uh, holidays hope yes. audience. <laughs> happy holidays to you too and to our audience i do hope to squeeze in another episode before end of the year um so we'll see but uh thanks a lot philippe as always you're Take welcome care. my pleasure bye, bye. You've been listening to the Style Zeitgeist podcast, hosted by Eugene Rapkin, produced by Patrick Leduc, intro and outro music by Wesley Isolt of Cold Cave. Please support us on Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Thank you for listening.